0: The title of my message today is Spectator, Commentator or Participator. So at the football yesterday, um, there were three basic groups of people. Thanks, David, to the next slide. Um, We had a game between, as we all know, between the Eagles and Collingwood. And we know the outcome. When I was preparing this, I didn't know the outcome as I was putting this message together. The uh, game was underway. And the biggest group that was there was a group of spectators. I heard that the total was 100,022 people were present at the game. But that doesn't take into account all those that were not at the game but watching it in all sorts of other ways. And these spectators, they uh, cheer, they shout, they cry particularly if they were wearing black and white. They, they make lots of noise. They are enthusiastic. They are trying to help their team win the game. But the reality is that that 122 people, hundred thousand and twenty-two people that were there, not one of them can score a goal. Not one of them can take a mark. Not one of them can change what that tally is on that little scoreboard. All they can do is encourage and shout and yell and, and support their team and, and really hope that their enthusiasm is gonna really, you know, give that team what it needs to win the match. But all in all, they are spectators. The second group um, that is at the match are the commentators, and apparently this was—and I didn't know this—this is this the first full Aboriginal team. They were—they were, they were um, doing radio announcement, um, obviously on an Aboriginal radio station or something. And that was, you know, the only photo of commentators from the day that I could find. But you know, I think the guy on the left here was a was a was a Collingwood player, Tony somebody or other. No. Yeah, you can tell I know AFL well, don't you? Um, but anyway, what do the, what these guys, what do the commentators do? Tell me, what do they do? Somebody yell it out. Sorry? Tell us about it. Tell us about it. What else do commentators do? They describe, the play. they describe the play. Fantastic, that's exactly right. What else do they do? Provide opinions. What was that, Danny? Provide they provide opinions. They tell us how they should do it or could do it. And if they were on the field, they would do it. You know, those commentators, they're often ex-players. Is that right? There's a lot of ex-players or perhaps wannabe players that are commentators. And they are the experts. But again, they won't score a goal, they won't take a mark and they will not change the outcome or the result of the game. The third main group of people that were at the match were the participators. They were the ones that actually went on the field. There were 44 of them. They're the ones and the only ones that can kick a goal, take a mark and actually change what the score is. They're the only ones, 44. So proportionately, I didn't do my mathematics and my calculator and my brain's not that good. But of all the people that were present and, I, you know, there were coaches and, you know, and trainers and, and workers and whatever. Of all the people that were present, there were only 44 out of that 102, 103, people that were present at that thing, there were only 44 who were actual participators, it's an interesting thought, isn't it? Only 44. You know, there's a, uh, a story in scripture that tells a similar kind of event, has a similar theme to it. It's the story of David and Goliath in 1 Samuel. It's the story of two nations that are camped on two hills and there's a valley in between. Two nations that are drawing the battle lines that are going to war and there's one of the soldiers, Goliath, the big man, you know, the big one there, he's, he's calling out and he's putting out the challenge to say, send out your warrior. And there's a young boy, probably around the age of 15 or 16, they think. The king at the time was a man called Saul. King Saul, he called him a boy. And David comes And he looks and he listens. And I'm sure that nearly all of us will know the story. And David heard the commentators, his brothers, telling him what was going on and how this Goliath was coming out. But David actually said, hang on a minute. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He called on the covenant of God and he actually rose up and he went into battle. And we know that he defeated Goliath but you know in that picture there you can see in the background you can see the spectators it's about four or five verses in that chapter where Saul keeps asking all these it's like he's like a commentator he's going so who's this guy who's this guy that's going out there what, what family is he from what, what's his dad's name what, what's he done before exactly like a commentator but there are only two participators in this event. There was David and Goliath. So my question to you today is, are you a spectator? Are you a commentator? Or are you a participator? Each and every one of us have been called by God to love him, to serve him, and to love our neighbour as ourself. That's what we've been called to do. But for some of us, I think, and, you know, I am certainly looking at myself in the mirror here. I think there are times when I just sit back and I'm a spectator. Or... I pass comment about everything and everyone, but I'm actually not actually participating. You know, do we... Do we actually pray? Do we serve? Do we love? Do we forgive? Do we go the extra mile? Do we help? Are we the hands and feet of Jesus? I'd like to think that all of us would go, yes. But you know what, I know know the reality of my life. I know that I can't always answer yes to that question. There is a, a habit I think that... I think most of us all fall into this habit. And that is we think because we know something that we do it. Just because we know something doesn't mean that we're actually doing it. And I think Christians can fall into that trap very easily. So I want to I challenge you to think about being a participator, about the fact that it's worth being a participator. There is joy and there is life and there is hope and there is, you know, there is so much to do in participating rather than just spectating or commentating. So, I've got a few points that I want to bring up about participators. What are participators like? What are some signs of participators? Participators, they train. You know, those guys trained very hard. All of the, the footballers throughout the season from every team trained hard. They work very hard and it's, it's messy and it's dirty. It is not uh, an easy thing to train, not that I would really know, not that I've ever been an elite sports person, but that's what I hear, you know. But the reality is, this scripture here in 1 Timothy, it says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives tales, train yourself to be godly. You know, when I read that, if I want to give you my interpretation of that scripture, it says, don't be a commentator. Don't get caught up in all of that commentating and that, you know talking about things, actually get out there and do it. Train yourself up and get out there and do it. Become a participator. You know, David trained, said, he says, "I've killed the lion and the bear. I can kill Goliath." He'd been training. And we live in an era where we have so much available to us. There are so many resources, so many books and podcasts and, and, you know, there is so much material available to us to train. The reason, one of the reasons Steve and I moved to Melbourne was so that he could study his masters. And, you know, he came down to train, to better equip himself to do the work of ministry. And we've never, ever regretted that. It has been a worth, it has changed his life, it's changed my life, it's changed our family. I'm about to start my Masters. Yay! Masters of Practical Theology. I will not be smiling around December as I'm grimacing through some assignments. Oops but you know what, there is so much out there that you can do, that you can learn from. You don't have to do an accredited course, but there are resources available. Can I encourage you? Please do not sit and think that you have the full understanding because the thing I learned was the more you learn, the more you know you don't know. And again, we say it, but it's true, isn't it? You suddenly go, oh, actually, I never realised that, yeah, So can I encourage you, think about some training? The second thing that participators are is their team players. You know, I love this, uh, this passage of Scripture, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's the story of the body. And it's a story about how the body has many parts, and each part has a place. And each part has something that it's got to do. It's unique to the body. And that we're not all eyes and we're not all feet and we're not all hands. And it says there is one body but has many parts. But all its many parts make up the one body. And the last passage of that scripture says you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. Can I say to you that the, the team needs you to play? The team needs you to play. You know, there are people that you interact with, that you know, your friends, your family, your neighbours, your work colleagues, that I will never ever meet. I will never come in contact with them. I will never ever be able to be the hands or the feet or the mouth of Jesus to those people. But you can be. There are things that you can do that I can't do. There are things that you can say and you can get away with that I couldn't get away with. There, are, there is so much that each of us have to offer, and we need everybody on the team. You actually have a part to play. You've got something of value to contribute. You are worthwhile. And it doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made and how often you failed or given up or run away or whatever it is in your mind that think disqualifies you from being on the team, let me tell you, you are on the team. It's just whether you choose to participate or not. (coughs) Thirdly, participators are teachable. All teams have coaches. Doesn't matter what sport it is, it's pretty rare that you will find an elite sports person that doesn't have a coach. Be it an individual sport and team sports, they all have coaches they recognise that, that you, when you're playing the game, you can't see everything that's going on. You can't stand back and, and see what's taking place within the field. You can't see your own weaknesses as a player. You can't see the errors that you're making. You need somebody else to come alongside you. 1 Peter 5 verse 5 says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. You know what? We need to learn from those around about us. I've often said that the the greatest place for me of learning is not the classroom, but it's a conversation with someone who has walked with Jesus and is willing to share their wisdom. And they may not even realise that they're challenging me when they start talking about their faith or their journey or their trouble and how they dealt with it. And I said they go, oh, I hadn't thought about that. For me personally, I love people's stories and I learn through their stories. My bookcase is full of biographies and autobiographies. So I love the story. I learn from the story. You might like to learn through the, you know, reading, you know, a theological book or you might learn through listening or whatever it is. But you know what? We, we, we've got to be teachable. We've got to be humble. We've got to be open to the fact that, you know what, we don't have it all together. But, you know, not only has God placed us in a church family to learn from one another, but he's also given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our coach. The Holy Spirit is one who comes alongside. You know, that's, that's part of the, the description of who the Holy Spirit is, is that one that comes alongside and helps us and encourages us, corrects us. In John 14, it says, The Helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Let me remind you again, don't think because you know something that you do something. I remember um, we may have shared this little story before, but our daughter Chloe was about five and uh, Steve and I were having a... uh, Heated our discussion, you know, the you know, volume's creeping up and this little five-year-old girl with, you know, little pigtails comes into the room, into the kitchen and we were renovating a house, we were living in somebody else's house so it was a little stressful time and she just walked in and says, Mum, just tell Dad you're wrong. Dad, just forgive her. <laughs> Talk about being rebuked by a five-year-old, you know. What do you say to that? She's like, just like, She's right. She's right, unfortunately. I had to admit I was wrong. Obviously, she thought I was wrong. I didn't, but, you know, I had to go, okay. And, we, you know, we need that voice, that Holy Spirit coming to us and speaking to us and saying, hey, how about you call so-and-so? Hey, how about you pray for so-and-so? Hey, have you realized that attitude's not right, that you need to deal with that? We need the Holy Spirit speaking to us. The last attribute that I want to pick up on today for participators is that they're tenacious. You know, the Hawks were over 30 points down. I kind of was watching the score. As I said, I wasn't watching it. I was, you know, getting a feed. Eagles, sorry, Hawks. I did that. It's the second time I've done that. Eagles, oh, fail. <laughs> oh, I think I should be benched out. So what is it? What do you get tagged out? Whatever it is. Um you know, they were over 30 points down. I was watching the score and I you know, and oh, well, that's it. Hawks are going to lose. Oh, I did it again. Eagles are going to lose. It's a bird thing, eh? It's a bird. <laughs> Magpies, eagles, hawks. These out-of-towners, gosh, we struggle. Um, I just go for basic colours, easier to remember for me. Um, where was I? Being tenacious. They, they actually, they came back and I honestly didn't think they could do that. 30 points to me sounded like, you know, that's a big gap. But, you know, participate, they're tenacious, they don't give up. They don't throw the towel in, they don't, well, you know, that's what it's meant to be about. Galatians 6 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. You know, every one of us has been disappointed. We've all been disappointed. We've all been hurt. You know, we've we've kind of been doing this Christian walk and kind of going, sometimes I feel like, is it working? Is this, you know, what is going on there? Life seems to be hard or it's, it's, we've all had those moments, but can I encourage you, don't grow weary. Don't give up. Be tenacious. Stick at it. You will reap a harvest. Um, when uh, our kids were little, we had some uh, friends of ours that wanted to go away on holidays, but they didn't actually have a car that was going to be, what's the word, uh, it wasn't good enough to travel long distance. And uh, we, at that time, we were fortunate enough that we were just in between, you know, when you're changing over vehicles, and we had a spare vehicle. And we said, look, guys, why don't you just uh, borrow our station wagon? You can, you can take that away on holidays. We really wanted that, um, them to have a holiday. And so they were away for a few weeks, and when they came back and returned the vehicle to us, um, the guy who was a motor mechanic said, um, oh, by the way, there's a few issues. Your handbrake doesn't work, and oh, we had a flat tyre, but oh, I didn't bother fixing it. Now, this had come on the top of a few other, though. You know, you know those seasons where you just feel like you've had, you know? And I was angry. It was me, wasn't it? Yeah. It's, it's pretty rare that it's kind of me that loses it. But I was, the, I really, I really kind of got angry, and I said, "That's it! I'm not lending out another thing. I've had enough." You know, anyone? <laughs> thank you, thank you. And I, you know, I just, I was just hurt. I, you know, particularly the motor mechanic. I mean, really, how hard is it to fix a handbrake? I don't know, but it's not that hard. Apparently, it's a, a wire. You know, it really wasn't that difficult um, a task. And I just thought, you know, that whole sense of feeling taken for granted and abused. But thankfully, and I know Steve was upset as well, and, really, and I think he probably got upset because I was like, you know how you do. And he said, babe, let's pray. And so we did, we prayed, and we actually said, and we stood there, you know, and we could, you could feel this sense where you were fighting your heart getting hard. You were hardening your heart because you were so hurt and disappointed and let down. And Steve and I prayed and I remember him saying, God, we choose this day. We will lend our car again. We will be generous. We will. And we had to fight. We had to fight because you know what? We didn't want to do it anymore because it hurt too much. Anyone been there? We want to give up. You know, there are seasons in our lives where we do need to sit on the bench Yeah, there are seasons where we actually need to take some time out because things have been happening and we need a break. And in no way do I want anyone to leave this place thinking I'm trying to make anyone feel guilty about where they're at or what they're doing. I acknowledge that I've been on the bench. I acknowledge that sometimes the commentators around about me in church life have so overwhelmed me that I've just wanted to run and hide. things. You know what? That is not what God's called us to do. God has not called us to commentate on everybody and what they do and how they do it. What God's called us to do is love our neighbor as ourselves. You are you and you are needed on the team. We need you. We need you to be a participator. We need you to lay hands on your sick neighbour and pray for them. We need you. We don't need commentators. We do not need people sitting around commentating on everything that's going on in the life of the church because I can tell you, it is overwhelming sometimes, it's hurtful and it causes you to want to give up and run away. Does anybody understand what I mean? We've been called to be participators. We've been called to actually play the game, to love love Jesus with all that we are, to love our neighbour. Please, if you are needing that season on the bench, please, you are welcome to that season on the bench. You are welcome to take the time you need to heal and to be restored when you've been injured or when life is overwhelming you. When I arrived at Bayview, I was overwhelmed. I was going through a lot and I appreciate the fact that I did not have to be on every roster and do everything. I appreciate, I needed that time on the bench. But what's really important is that we don't camp there and that our heart attitude is actually about getting out and playing again. And the reality is, as we go through life, we're not going to participate in the same way. I don't do the same thing I did when I was first a Christian. I don't do the same things I did when I had a small family. I don't do the same things I did 10 years ago. Our participation is different depending on our season. What's important is our heart is there and it's willing to listen to our coach. So can I challenge you to think, are you a spectator, a commentator... Or a participator. And I encourage you, please, to participate. Let me pray before we sing. Father, we want to come before your throne humbly. And God, acknowledge, God, that in our lives there have been times where, God, we have just sat back and spectated. God, where it's all been too hard and we just wanted to just sit in the stands. And God, we acknowledge, Lord, there are times when we've been commentators and we've been critical and we've been, you know, making comments about everything and everyone, but God, we've not actually been doing it. God, I pray that you would help each and every one of us, Father, to participate in the way that you are calling us to do. God, that you'd help us participate to get back on the ground and play the game and not be afraid. God, that you'd heal us and restore us. God, that we might be able to be your hands and feet in this world. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks, guys.